When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Savage Starlight, the officially unofficial podcast for The Last of Us on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking season one, episode seven, Left Behind. Aaron, uh, the instant take left me a little cold on this episode. I gotta say, I watched it a second time. I listened to the podcast that uh, Druckmann and Mazin put out, and I appreciated it a lot more. So I'm, I'm happy to report, I think this is actually a good episode. <laughs> Oh, no, I mean, that's something that's something we I said, like within 30 seconds of starting instant talk. I'm like, man, I I feel like from the tenor of chat that like we were saying like that's a bad episode. I was trying to communicate the fact that like it's a good episode, but it's not the episode we want. It's superfluous. Like the whole point of this episode, a couple pieces. Yeah, the whole point of this episode is to explain why Ellie decides to stay against all odds to try to fix up Joel. Right. But the entire last episode led us to that conclusion that finally they love each other. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you sacrifice for the people you love for the family. I mean, this has been a theme and you know, it's not so like if this episode came out on Thanksgiving of this year and they were able to put some snow in the Boston quarantine zone and uh, Riley wore a Santa hat, this would be an all-time beloved classic episode because it would serve its purpose as bonus content to the main story. Um, Inserted after Hmm. fact, and it's just like, oh, it tells us a little bit of facet that we kind of... But as it serves right now, it's just a... uh, It feels like a throat-clearing exercise to get to where we want to be, which is at the end of the episode... Uh, Ellie frantically stitching up Joel. It is a great episode. Um, I think, again, I think the last half is a lot stronger. Like once they get to the mall and, you know, the teenage kind of romance stuff begins, which I think it's that's always cute to watch. You know, the like mm-hmm. the people um, sizing each other up, trying to, fit, you know, want, not wanting really to expose takes you themselves. Back, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I it's, it's funny to hear like Craig and 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 uh, Neil. Is it Neil? Nick. Neil, Neil, Neil Druckmann. Uh, it's 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 funny to hear them talk about, you know, like, you know, um, how, yeah, everyone goes through this period. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's probably like one out of a thousand people just born fucking Chad's and Stacy's and they just have it all figured out. And it's just uh, the one long slaying session, their life. But for the rest of mm-hmm. us, there's a whole bunch of awkward stuff. And oh, my God, do I like them. Uh, do they like me? What if I say I like them and they reject me? What if we add, you know, post-apocalypse to all that? So I, I, I really like that stuff. Um, I, it just, it's, it's entirely, it's an, it's entirely additional content. It feels like watching the director's cut of something or the extended edition of something, but I never recommend people watch those almost, you know, like I would never say, Hey, if you've never seen the Lord of the Rings, sit down and watch all of the extended editions. I don't think <laughs> sure, they're sure. controversial opinion. I don't think there's good a movie as the theatrical releases. If you're a fan, yeah, it's great. It's more stuff. It's more fan stuff. Service, but it, yeah. It, it's yeah, it's not as well paced. 
Um, there's some odd edits. There's some. So like, yeah, this is this is a great episode. And again, if it came into context like we got in the DLC where they and in fact, I think that's what they should have done. They should have gave us a Christmas episode. OK, and yeah, after the season we, is over, just come back and fill in a blank. Like you just have an eight does. episode run. Everyone's fucking hyped for it. You're, uh, you know, eight, eight, eight months later, eight, don't be bit, 10 months later. So you're like halfway through probably the development cycle of the next season. And bam, on Thanksgiving, you drop a Christmas episode of The Last of Us and everyone loses their fucking mind. But yeah, <laughs> I, I was checking around. It seems like the opinion we had is pretty much what most people think. Like this is a good episode, but oh, it does okay. feel like I mean, that's what I that's what I got from kind of trolling around, seeing what people were saying. Gotcha. So, yeah, yeah I'm not going to take back my mild, the, 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 you know, the crowd went mild at this episode. And I think that's appropriate. <laughs> no, I, I definitely liked it better on second watch. I mean, it's telling that, you know, this is a story that's taken from a DLC for the game. It's not they, they did not deem it worthy of putting in the mainline game. And that, um, that means downloadable content. That's like the industry right. term for extra bonus shit you get after you. It's, it's like special features, you know, extended editions. Uh huh. Exactly. And and so it was something that, you know, while not not exactly tacked on to the story, definitely was not there in the original experience. And I, I think you could you could get rid of this episode and still understand where Ellie's coming from. But I do think on second watch that this lends a lot of uh a little bit more understanding to where Ellie's coming from. I mean, the the thing that I wasn't really picking up the first time around that I got after listening, and how could I not, after listening to the podcast, uh, the official podcast, is just how much Ellie had not lost anybody yet. How, how like, fresh her spirit was in the, 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 like, the time before she lost Riley, and how much this was, like, the instigating the event for her not trusting anybody or not being able to connect with Joel or anybody in her life. Right. Um, and, and the contrast between her and Riley in those moments really stood out a lot more to me after, after having it pointed out, I think, I think it's fairly subtle because the thing you're looking at more is like, what does this mean with her and Joel? Not how are her and Riley contrasting in these scenes? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I missed that part and I, I think it's on second watch when I appreciated it, I thought it was there and, and really made the episode a lot better. Well, it's, fun. it's like, you know, and I don't, I, I, I don't want to argue people's subjective opinion, but when you said like, uh-huh. um, if you got, if you remove this episode, you might still be able to understand the main thrust of the series. I think that's an inarguable mm-hmm. point. It's not maybe. It's yeah. like you would no, because definitely. we all played it when it came out and thought it was amazing. And if you interviewed us, I was like, hey, did you think there's anything missing there? We wouldn't have been like, man, I feel like there yeah. was a sweet carousel scene that they really left by. And, and they kind of mm-hmm. hinted at this right thing. No, no one said that. So, like, it's 100 percent possible to enjoy. In fact, that was the preferred creator's vision to not have this episode and you know like i said i i don't but the same is true of, the, of episode three with bill and frank right like none of that is pertinent to the actual main story but of Ellie we and got something i i argue that we got a lot about like that's the thing that drove me crazy about the criticism because if that was just an art piece about you know two middle-aged gay dudes uh authentically loving each other 
mm-hmm. I would have been a little bit more on board with the like, oh, my God, they're wasting time because <laughs> all of that stuff was uh-huh. supposed to be telling you things about Joel and Ellie, which we pointed out along this episode. This episode does not introduce, I don't think, any new information about Ellie hmm. uh, or Joel that you didn't get from the previous episode that they have finally. Yeah, they've they've buried all hatchets. They've made peace with the fact that they're in the situation or in the situation. They like each other. In fact, they love each other and they become this kind of like family unit. It might um, not be entirely new information, but it does reinforce the things that we've seen, um, right, which right. I, I'm in support of. I'm OK with and, that. And, yeah. No one's going to rage. Like I said, like also, let's calm the fuck down. No one's going to rage quit the series because oh, there Jesus, was a little no. bit of extraneous content here, like uh, but, extraneous, but the, very good, very heartfelt very and, good, and very affecting and, content. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. I, so like I, I just think that like. Um, it's, you know, there's not a right or wrong way to adapt video games yet. I don't think the people have like unlocked and probably is not just one thing, but if I was a creator going forward, I would really wonder if I want, like how I would approach DLC. And, you know, it's kind of like if you had, you know, a book series that had several prequels and sequels, like which one would you start with? You know, um, Mm -hmm. would you start with the prequels even though the yeah that's like i i I think there's probably an answer that like you probably don't release that stuff in chronological information you probably order you release it in the order that the the author intended but so like that's the one thing like clearly i think the other thing that motivated at least Druckmann is he really wanted this carousel scene he really wanted this arcade scene like for sure, very nostalgic sure. personal reasons, just like this is such a be- mm-hmm. and it is it's a beautiful it is um it's also a departure from the the core video game. You know, they mentioned that on the podcast, too, that like they wanted to deliberately as a creative choice subvert the fact that your experience. The Last of Us was using this controller to maim, kill and savage. And these same controls that you use to interact with the world will now be used to seduce and romance and delight. And hmm. some of the stuff that they learned into making this DLC paid off very handsomely in The Last of Us Part Two, um, and gave us some really effective scenes because they kind of explored that, you know, like, what if we really lean into some of these um, non-combat, gentle character developing, you know, exploration type things? And I think it paid dividends, but... Yeah, again, it, 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 it's, it's not a necessary part of the canon, I would say. And um, like I said, it's not fatal. It's not bad. It's just, oof, you had so much momentum, had so much oh, momentum. Sure, sure. And you, it's not like you've lost all that, but like you've put a pause. You've had to like control and 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 divert that for yet another week. And I, again, these next two weeks are going to be I, I would I would bet my life on them being all time bangers. So no one's going to care. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder if this was. Well, yeah, this should have been a th- eight episode season. This should have been the Christmas episode. That's all <laughs> okay. I got to say. All right. That's my thesis. Sounds my good. Humble thesis. Uh, well, with that said, why don't we get into the recap? Yep. Now's the time to endure and survive. We'll be back with more Savage Starlight. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Just so we're clear about back there, it was either us or the ad. Welcome back to more Savage Starlight. Start off with Ellie and Joel. Uh, they managed to make it to the basement of a suburban house. I always wondered when I was playing the game how she got him down there. How she got big ass bulky Joel drug into a house and set up on a cot. Well, he's down in the game. He's on so like a sleeping bag or something. But he's kind of getting rolling, and he'll he'll make it. Big. If she, <laughs> if she took him take up, over. If she took him upstairs. I'd be really worried about it. But she, yeah, he's not going to do a, a gut wound much good. I could say she that. Thirty-two feet per second per second working for her, and. Uh, <laughs> What's uh, the Delta V on a Joel rolling downhill? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It depends. On, is he farting at the apex of the cartwheel? Because he's going to get a little bit extra thrust on that. You got to count. Uh-huh. You don't want to. You don't want to uh, not account for that. That force. I I want to know how she just got him out of the snow. I guess she. I guess she probably attached a rope to his ankle and had the horse pull him or something. Uh, to I'm, the house. I'm so then... if you want a serious answer, I'm guessing that she cajoled <laughs> slash bullied Joel back into the saddle standing long enough to get him to the outside of the house and and because yeah if she had the i don't think she could hoist joel onto that horse no and i don't think she drug him an appreciable different distance so yeah it 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 plays out exactly the same way in the game where like they just kind of fade to black and then whoop there you are in the house you never Mm -hmm. see her dragging him around uh, anyway, uh, I love, he's trying I love, to help him. Well, I love the touch of uh, the horse parked in the garage that's straight out of the video game, and it always uh-huh. like made me laugh out loud when you go out there. And here's mean, the, the the horses parked in the garage, you know. Horses are the cars of the apocalypse, Aaron. <laughs> uh, Joel tells her to leave him and go back to Tommy. She covers him in a blanket and then heads out the door, or at least heads to the door, puts her hand on the doorknob. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I do wonder if people who haven't played the game thought maybe he is uh, she is leaving him there in the snow to die. I think I don't know. I wish I could brain my watch myself. I wish I had a uh, a pure Aaron instance I could boot up and, and mm-hmm. wa- have what to see, because I feel like, yeah, like I feel like at this point I would um, like I at this point in the game, I was. Uh, at least medium suspecting that one of the main characters was going to die. Mm-hmm. And we are far enough along. Like I remember at this point in the game being far enough along thinking that like, Oh my God, it could be, you know, this could be the thing I've been dreading this whole time. So um, that was my authentic response to the first time I was playing through this. So I imagine there's at least several people, so- several people that kind of like was wondering, um, especially last week. Now in the first, you know, if I, if you're asking me five instances episode, uh, if they thought that she would leave him at the beginning of this and go through this flashback and, and probably not. But like at the end of last week, I got to think at least some people were worried for Joel. And, yeah, I mean, and with, the, with the way the show goes, I mean, it's not exactly the, the happiest of shows. So, well, yeah, you could and, see uh, this tragedy, like just as they're starting to connect 
for real, right? And come to some kind of understanding, boom, one of them's dead. But it feels like a bittersweet pill, right? Like like Joel is the stage one rocket that got her to the research facility, and then they found the cure, sure. and so it's a bittersweet. You know, she she. I did mean, they peeled thing, off Tess. She the, right. she lost that booster. Almost so. every other minor character we've met on the way has, uh-huh. has died. So um, it's definitely in the show's DNA to to be that kind of hard hitting. Um, and it's still an open question. You know, she he's not out of the woods. She just sewed him up. But no, right. She's not going to leave him. And I think the thing that works in the show's favor is they spent all last week making sure that we knew that Ellie has no chance without Joel. Yeah. Ellie doesn't think she has a chance. Joel doesn't think she has a chance. Joel just started prepping her to have a chance. Like if he'd started this three months ago, mate, you know, like what is she going to do? But we see that, you know, because that's the other thing is you got to remember that Ellie's been through Fedra school on an, like an officer track training. So she does know a lot more basic things like she like this isn't the first time I think she's sewn a wound or at least practice doing it, right? Probably, yeah. Um, so she's not like, you know, I'm not going to say she's a battlefield medic or anything, but she's going to take what she knows, and she's going to apply it as best she can. Mm-hmm. All right, then we start the flashback, which is going to last almost the entire episode. Um, it's Ellie in Fedra school, as you mentioned. She's getting bullied. She's fighting back. Uh, and then Captain Kwong plays the school counselor here for a second. I, I don't know what his actual title is other than Captain uh, and tells her that she has her choice of two paths. She can either be a grunt and hate her life, or she can get her shit together and become an officer with an easy life and a lot of power. And she chooses the officer path. It's funny because they're... It's, it's an interesting nuanced opinion that the show has on the Boston quarantine zone. It feels like um, mm-hmm. if any quarantine zone is trying to keep to its original purpose, this one is because I think he's probably right. Uh, Captain Kwong here. If Fedra falls, uh, the people here are going to starve and murder each other. I think that's right. I think I mean, that's right. Seen it, right. Look, at I think Kansas in Kansas city. city, they like, I don't think that was headed towards utopia. I think that was a whole bunch of people that broke it into the supply chain and they were drinking all the booze and they were eating mm-hmm. all the food and things are going to be great for a couple of weeks. And then, you know, even without the the infected coming back, you know. Yeah. Um, and again, I don't think that like every revolution is doomed to fail, but like it is uh, it is historically a hard turn to make from like 20 years of fascism into like representational democracy. You know, those that's a, that's a rough it's a hairpin turn for civilization to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and this guy seems like he genuinely cares about his charges. You know, he doesn't want to see Ellie kind of uh, throw her life. What what life she has? You know, he doesn't want to see her throw like he, this. Doesn't seem like uh, a jackbooted fascist. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's why I appreciate. You know, it's not it, they're not taking the easy route of just saying, "Well, Fedra is evil," so obviously the Fireflies are right. Um, right, and, and, and that extends throughout this entire episode where you have it sure does. Ellie, who may or may not buy into what may or may not be propaganda from Fedra. Um, and then, you know, Riley over on the other side with the Fireflies. I, I really appreciate some of the more subtle work they're doing there, and we'll get to it here in a bit. Uh, but yeah, Captain Kwong seems like a decent person. That's that's what I would call him. He seems decent, which, you know, is in contrast to a lot of the stuff we've seen from Fedra already with hangings for what seem to be minor offenses um yeah I, I don't want to throw the kc stuff in there because that's a different group uh right 
but yeah, the stuff we've seen here is not amazing either. But then we see scenes like this. Yeah. So we're left to wonder. And they cast Terry Chin as uh, Captain Kwong here. I think, you know, I mostly know him from The Expanse, where he seemed to be this very calm, gentle, mm-hmm. uh, compassionate, person, compassionate, uh, very empathetic. And I think he took that exact effect and tone into this role. So, I, you know, I was already mm-hmm. like, oh, this is Prax. He's a good guy. Um, and but, you know, that's all all that that casting is part of it. Right. So they I think the show this whole episode is wanting us to kind of, you know, pump the brakes on what we know about Fedra and the Fireflies and kind of make our own decision because we'll have someone we really, really like and respect Ellie taking some shots at him in this episode. Yeah. And I'm bringing a lot of that expanse baggage too, where he's also got that like dead eyed killer mode when when he's challenged enough, uh, mm-hmm. which I really like. Uh, yeah, and, and this is also the scene. One of the things he says to her here is, we're the only thing holding all this together. And you're mm-hmm. going to see that come back later in the episode in a way that I find really interesting. Like, if we go down, people in the zone will murder each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, all that stuff is about to come back. Did you notice on the desk here when he throws this keychain, uh, what's on it? Uh, the Naughty Dog logo, right? Yeah, that, that's the. I, I, you know, it's funny. I watched this episode two more times, but I still didn't notice it, even though people pointed oh, really? it out in the live. Wa- yeah, and yeah, I, it's that paw print. Yeah, yeah, uh, a little. That's Easter the, in there. case you don't know. That's the 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 public. No, I'm sorry, the developer of the original The Last of Us, as well as all the Uncharted. They're they're kind of a big deal in video game mm-hmm. uh, circles. Yeah, especially in uh, story-based video games. They're mm-hmm. one of the highest profile companies doing that stuff. Gosh, it's amazing. Like, did they, they had, must have had nothing to do with adapting the Uncharted movie. Because, like, that failed to capture <laughs> the spirit and the feeling of playing an Uncharted game in exactly the opposite way that this is nailing it. I, bad, yeah. bad Drake, bad Sully... I do wonder if it comes down in some part to the studio or, or let's say the yeah studio or publisher who's doing the adaptation because one of the things I took away from the podcast this week is HBO actually has their hands quite a bit in the shows and and I feel like the, the tone I got was HBO suggested some things um, suggested not demanded just mm. suggested uh I guess to to Craig and Neil to do certain things a little bit more, like to tie back Ellie's stuff to Joel's stuff, uh, to the, the the flashback to the modern day a, a lot more than they had originally in their script. Which stuns me that they were just right because it's such pull- an awesome. Uh, yeah. it, it's almost obvious, right? Like, isn't yeah. that kind of what you want to do with this? Um, yeah, like you already it, have this detached storyline. You're just going to completely cut it adrift. No, no intro outro sequel. Yeah. Right, tie it back, give us something to anchor in the story we're already interested in. Uh, and that came from HBO. So I'm, I'm thinking like maybe on the Uncharted games, they didn't have that or they had the opposite. Mm. They had the companies that were publishing this thing suggesting, hey, why don't you do this thing? And it's actually not a good idea or yeah. it's going to make it more popular and not better. Um, like, hey, we want a big action scene here or something. It, it feels like HBO over the course of their history here over decades has honed their storytelling uh, craft 
and is using that to help the people that they hire to write these stories. And it shows because basically everything that comes out of HBO is quality. Um, and, and they give their creators freedom and hire the best, right? That helps too. And sounds like a lot of positive feedback too. Mm -hmm. All right. That night, Riley sneaks into Ellie's dorm room while she's reading Savage Starlight, uh, tells her she's a firefly then invites her to have the best night of her life. Ellie initially refuses, but eventually relents. So I, I looked at this Savage Starlight issue, and I think it is roughly analogous to the last. It's kind of like the last episode. Oh, okay. Um, that because you've got uh, the the this Doctor Starlight character and the Captain, um, whatever. I think he's but but the the Doctor Starlight supposed to be kind of roughly L Ellie, and the Captain character is supposed to be kind of roughly Joel. And the Joel uh, character is saying, we got to leave this area right now. And the Ellie character is saying, the sensors say that it's down this path. Should we knock? And then Joel character says, I got my door knocker. It's this big laser blaster. Uh, and they blow this ornate door down. She turns the page and J the Joel analog says, all right, ladies, stand down. But they, he's speaking into an empty, dark room. And the Ellie analog says they're not here. Um, I think that's supposed to correspond to the... Uh, going to that university and, you know, expecting to find somebody and there was no one there. Hmm. Okay. But anyway, it's uh speaking of loosely connected material, Savage Starlight is not exactly you find them all and then you understand the last of us at a deeper level. It's just it's an Easter egg. But again, mm -hmm. love seeing the name out there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and seeing that they actually made an issue of this comic was kind of cool because knowing that in the games, they were nothing but front back covers. Uh, yeah. They took a little more care in this. And, and uh, I, a, another thing that I really love about this scene is we we've talked about like their environmental storytelling, but I yeah. think they're they're using a lot of different techniques here to great effect. One of them being, I didn't get in the first watch. I must have been like looking down, taking notes or something. That Riley was probably Ellie's roommate, but there's a shot in this that tells you that without telling you that. It's just Ellie looking over at the empty bed in the other corner of the room, and just like oh that tracks. Wow, yeah. that's that's. Riley's bed, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's something quick and subtle, but it says so much. Um, I imagine the scene maybe probably gave the people who are tracking how much noise people make fits because like they yeah, made yeah. so much noise when it's supposed to be two o'clock in the morning and. You know, did they have adults watching these kids at all? Because there was like a full on confrontation, a scuffle, mm -hmm. a Donnybrook and Ellie's room and nobody checks it out. Like people body slammed on the floors. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. maybe, maybe there's like a 16 inch thick cement floors and walls. Like these are like bank vaults mm -hmm. type of place. It, you could practice the drums in and not even disturb the upstairs neighbor. Sure. Uh, it didn't seem like the doors had much soundproofing. Cause when the person comes by and yells lights out is pretty this audible. Is true. This is true. Anyway, I was wondering how bad these Fedra schools are. We certainly heard horror stories about Kansas City, but when Riley sneaks in, I'm wondering, you know, Ellie freaks out, rightfully so. Someone's uh, trying to abduct her in the middle of the night. Does she think this is Bethany coming back for revenge, or does she think this is something worse? I mean, who knows? Like, because I imagine this Casey, world, it's, worse. it's probably bad news for anyone. I mean, in our world, it's bad news for someone to wake totally. you up with their hand over your mouth. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah. It felt I, I like just... I was surprised at how school asked school. Like um, I talked mm -hmm. about um, how Ella probably, you know, you see where Joel's living and it's like, you know, a shooting gallery. It's a place where, you know, uh, unhoused people would gather to shoot. That's what it looks like. It's grimy. There's, you know, the paint's all peeling. The windows mm -hmm. are on bad repair. The carpet's all torn up. I thought Ellie's school looked kind of like a boarding school. Mm -hmm. Like it, it was noticeably better maintained than what the, you know, what Joel was kind of slumming in. Yeah, so, for sure. Which is hilarious. If you think back to last episode where she's like, yeah, we've been staying in some real shitholes. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Joel's yeah. just used to it. He's just like, yeah, that's normal. But Ellie was staying in a decent place. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, it's, it's, it was pitched perfectly to where Ellie would still find like Frank and Bill's place shocking and its opulence uh -huh. and its comfort and hominess, but not the bombed out shithole that they've been sleeping in, you know, since, since oh, she's yeah. been with she, Joel. So it was she doesn't nice have they, like a dorm room bunk bed with a writing yeah. desk and all that stuff. She just has yeah, a yeah, nightstand yeah. and a bunch of posters. Right, right. So when she sees, yeah, uh, I don't know credenzas and all this shit sure. that he's got and China nice, cabinets tasteful paintings and drapes and mm -hmm. matching bedspreads yeah oh the other thing she has in her room I really like this touch is Riley looks at it uh, it's an aha hits tape mm -hmm. which lets you know hey this is one of uh, Ellie's favorite bands or at least let's say it's one of the tapes she could get her hands on so she's familiar with it um that's why you hear a lot of aha in this episode when riley's trying to give her the night of her life did you think that um what do you think of the all of the the pearl jam stuff you're more of a music guy than me i'm not very familiar with the song at all i i'm more of like the craig mazin to to gotcha somebody out there's neil Druckmann who knows this song intimately uh, but oh. I deeply felt what he was talking about, right? Like everybody has that song that takes you back and it was like mm -hmm. a comfort song for you. Uh, a song that meant a lot to you, that got you through, you know, whether whether it was actual hard times or just like felt like hard times because you were a teenager and everything's crazy. Um, that song, that idea really resonated with me. And apparently this is one of those songs for Neil Druckmann. Yeah, Um it's funny because just coincidentally, I decided to because I was reading a Reddit thread about what are albums that have no skippable songs, uh, no terrible songs. And someone mentioned uh, Pearl Jam's 10. Yep. I'm like, yeah, I had that was a fucking banger. I, I So I this weekend I was doing some uh, handyman work around the house and I was listening to that. And I'm like, God, yeah, this is I forgot. Like, you know, I very familiar. I had this album, very familiar to stuff that played on the radio. But some of the, I guess, B-side stuff, incredible album. But I guess oh, yeah. this came. This was on their that was their debut album. This is on the 2002 follow up. So okay. still hasn't been Cordyceps. Got at least two albums out of uh, uh, of uh, Pearl Jam. Uh huh. No anachronisms detected thus far. <laughs> Do you have any albums like that you think are perfect? I've got one that comes to mind. I'm sure there are a ton. <sighs> There's of them. a bunch. Like if we're just going to talk about music now. Uh, uh, yeah, you know another one again same period like Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill oh, where's the bad song on that fucker I think they all were were like number one singles at some point too like that might be most of them um, yeah. I think another flawless album is uh, Blacklicious's Blazing Arrow that has hmm. no bad album uh, songs on the entire album 
Um, I can make an argument for like melancholy and infinite sadness. There's some. Ooh, that's going to be divisive. I I would agree. I love that album. I can listen to it. Double album. I can listen to it straight through. But Siamese Dream is the one for me. Yeah, that would probably be the one if you want to go nothing. But you're right. All I think all the melancholy stuff is at least interesting. Oh, yeah. Nothing I would like rage skip or something. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are a lot of them. Uh, but like we had a know. golden for, chance for me, to bust out our bust out our DJ voices when we were talking about what's, 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 what's your, oh, what's your right. like, favorite number one nostalgic album. <laughs> count it, count it down for us at number oh, five, man. Jim's personal favorite album. And we, I, we I don't think it. Ellie has ever heard that voice. <laughs> Ellie doesn't true. know what DJ voice is. That's true. Oh my God, mankind's got to rediscover the DJ voice when they get. <laughs> terrestrial radio back honestly most of gen z probably doesn't know what the dj voice is they've just been listening to spotify so it's true it's true they they know what ads sound like tell us how telegraphs work grandpa Mm -hmm. (laughs) all right maybe we should move on we're showing our age here uh Uh, ellie and riley walk and talk about ellie's fight with bethany they go into a building where they find a dead guy and steal his booze before he falls through the floor uh, they take the booze to the rooftop and drink together while debating Fireflies versus Fedra. And then they continue on jumping from roof to roof. There's like a, some kind of interesting illusion where because is this Bella, a natural feature Bella has that her one or eyebrows is just fucked up? I think I, it is. I don't think so, because Ellie has that in the game, too. Right. So I imagine. Oh, so maybe they did do because I was thinking like I was thinking back. It's like I wouldn't bet that she didn't have it in Game of Thrones because of course she would. Um, I started thinking it was like, sure. like I forgot or I, I, I guess I forgot that uh, Ellie has that eyebrow scar. But we kind of have a little bit of lore about the 7-Eleven situation is where she got her eyebrow mangled. Yeah. Um, there's Bella a little Ramsey bit of has this. both of her eyebrows fully intact. So fully no intact 7-Eleven eyebrows. situation for real life Bella. Good for you, Bella. Good. You just hold on those. Hold on those brows, kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a little bit of that uh, kind of jousting at the sexuality, you know, like uh, Ellie mm-hmm. uh, putting forth. Oh, did you meet some firefly stud and get Twitter pated? And um, yeah, <laughs> also the the qualification of the chick to pop out of nowhere is like, was she like young? It's like, I don't know. It's like 40, 50 old. <laughs> yeah, whatever. So, old. <laughs> so funny it's good um, i really want to know more about the 7-eleven situation they were very yeah. coy about it in the podcast and i assume that's because I, they don't really know what it is but they wanted to throw something in there there is a graphic novel that's called like americana or coming back to america or something i'm not that that is like a yes. prequel to I left behind this. i haven't read it yet i bet i bet the 7-eleven incident is contained within that could that be comic well, if you got it, read or, it and then give it to me so I can read it. Well, it's digital. It's on my iPhone. So, oh, or my iPad. OK, well, gee, how would you ever get me a copy, Jim? I, I legit don't know. I bought it from the Apple store, so oh, it's probably DRM. OK, to hell OK. Uh, yeah, no, you're probably right. I, I, I imagine this might also potentially be something from Neil Druckmann's actual life, right? He's he's putting so much personal stuff into both the game and also this show and specifically this episode uh, with the Pearl Jam song with with Joel wanting to be a singer. Right. Um, with with Ellie being kind of just a shitty student. He talks about how he was, which was exactly like me, man. I never identified harder with somebody 
than when he's talking about, yeah, I just didn't care about school. I never did homework. I passed every test mm-hmm. and got, you know, D's just enough not to flunk out. Uh, mm-hmm. But I imagine there might be something to this 7-Eleven situation in his real life. If you really pressed him. We got to check. We got to check his headshot. What's his what's his eyebrow status? <laughs> eyebrows intact and Neil Druckmann? I don't, or I don't know. We could we find got some out. savage, savage eyebrows. Mm hmm. Uh, but yeah, here's where the stuff with uh, Captain Kwong comes back, where Ellie's trying to defend Fedra, and I'm not sure exactly why she's trying to defend Fedra. Maybe she just doesn't like she. She's been filled with ideas about what the Fireflies are, and for good reason. I mean, they are. No, she's in Fedra people. school. She's been indoctrinated that that Fireflies uh-huh. are bad, and there is evidence that Fedra like. If this was a hundred percent a fascist hellhole. They if they needed new places to live, they would just uh, increase the criminality of petty offenses and hang a bunch of more people and find places to put them. You know, sure. sure. The fact that they are rehabilitate, going to the uh, trouble to clear out, rehabilitate and, and wire for electricity, additional blocks suggests that they are. And the fact that, you know, Captain Kwong is concerned with the fact that you know this continues to maintain that people get a chance to live uh you know the, that they can make it through this i don't think they're all bad no know? of course of course i mean they um, are providing a valuable service we talked about this in the first episode yeah uh, with rare exception on this planet actually most governments even if you think of like the most repressive brutal, brutal ones you can think of have some things that they like it at some point you have to take care of your citizens or what the hell you know mm-hmm. The whole thing stops working. Uh, so, like, yeah. it would sh- shock me if, if if Fedra wasn't like that as well. And, you know, Ellie's certainly only got their side. Um, but then again, clearly, I don't think Riley is scoring. Uh, it's, it's, imp- it's actually really hard to score to Firefly's morality against the Fedras, you know, like. Oh, especially when you're, what, 16, maybe with Riley. Sure. Uh, and you're, yeah. you know, you're like you're bombing and killing random people, but it's in the service of getting rid of Fedra, which is hanging probably innocent people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really murky. Yeah. The thing I love about this scene, though, is is what Ellie says in defense of Fedra, which is exactly what Captain Kwong told her. Right. Like if we weren't here, the place would fall apart and people would start killing each other. Uh, th- this yeah. this is indoctrination. Right. This is. Her saying something that she has heard someone with authority say, even though she, I don't think herself actually understands it very deeply. Yeah. She's just, well, it's, she's, she's spouting something, uh, regurgitating something that somebody else said. But there's also the truth to like when, you know, they're say, well, Fetter shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't bomb innocent civilians. Well, Fetter shouldn't hang them. Well, Fetter shouldn't starve its citizens. Well, you blowing up the supply depot didn't help out any. You know, this is it, it dovetails in like Andor, right? The whole rebellion. Uh, when we watch Star Wars movies, we just get that they're the heroes. But Andor kind of like, what does a rebellion actually look like? What is it? You know, what's um, the cost it's a of lot the rebellion? Of, yeah. It's a lot of making lives shitty for everyday people so that mm-hmm. they are jolted out of their apathy and complacency. That's like revolutionary slash terrorism 101, right? Yeah. Um, and it looks like that's what, you know, like that, that probably did not serve the people of Boston to bomb the supply depot. 
but it will make life harder, which will make Fedra's life harder, which will make them easier to target, which will eventually get to a place where you can replace it with representational democracy and all problems will be solved. Sure, sure. As long as you have the right people ready to go when the time comes to make the change. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing the right people will be making those choices, Jim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Riley and Ellie arrive at a sealed off, quote unquote, sealed off mall. Uh, they make their way inside. Riley turns on the power for the entire mall, surprising Ellie with a dazzling display of lights. And then promises to show Ellie the four wonders of the mall. They encounter an escalator, which thrills Ellie so much that she dubs it the first wonder of the mall, even though it was not on Riley's list of four wonders. <laughs> now there's there's a hastily added five wonders of the mall. Yeah, I, I love it. Like the, the disparity between like what Riley knows she's got coming up for Ellie and Ellie's amazement at kind of the simplest of things. Right. Uh, just like her expectations of being blown away are so low. She by the time she gets to the arcade, she's she never even dreamed that there could be an arcade. So this I got to say escalators thrilling. I gave the production design the benefit of the doubt on the instant cast because we're talking about how how did this light and sound not draw anyone from the outside? And I'm like, well, they did, you know, mention that this was like a I, I thought that there's some kind of Chernobyl style sarcophagus over the whole structure because it was so overrun. As far as I can tell, that's not true. Like, they don't show shit. It's it's I, built like a bank vault, but it also has what looks like to be giant vaulted skylights running down the entire center of the promenade mm. of this mall. And that to to the fact that like the 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 entire second floor of this mall is fictional. Like the mall that they mm. used to, around Calgary only had the one floor, so they essentially just painted this bright green ring around the roof. And everything above that, what Ellie's looking out over here, they built a railing, a physical railing for it. everything else you see is digital. So it feels like a self-inflicted gunshot wound that like they're saying like, oh, don't worry. There's you know, it's it's this is like a bank vault in here. But I'm looking down these enormous like I'm looking over your head. You've got that as your backdrop. Like mm. there's huge skylights, man. Like there's got to be day glow, <laughs> fuchsia, green. It's just, it's just shit filtering through that. Not to mention the. The power drain that this must be putting on oh, yeah. Fedra's beleaguered, beleaguered power generation system. It's not re yeah. the reason why I'm a little cold, cool on this episode. It's just uh, feels like an unforced error. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I didn't notice that in the first watch, but yeah, on second watch, they just want it to be this grand kind of mall, right? Because they had an actual mall they were shooting in, but it was a single story mall and they were like, eh, it's kind of a sad mall. But see, most North American malls d didn't have this giant skylight and Absolutely. this mall did not either. So the thing to do would just be to have it be. Because, yeah, like most malls, like the windows are in the front of the stores. The back of the store is like cinder block. Like I would believe. Yeah, every mall is not Mall of America, right? Like you. you exactly. It was not until I want to say like the late 90s that they started building these extravagant, the really over the Taj top, Mahal. beautiful malls. Yeah. I yeah. remember when it, Sears was the fucking anchor store. I remember sure. when. Kohl's was the fanciest thing you'd find at one of the I remember malls when service here in the merchandise was the anchor yes, store if you want to yes. go. Uh, so yeah, it's they I they they could have just gone gone with the conventional like you know bomb style uh, mall, but they didn't though. Uh -huh. 
I'm guessing yeah. Fed, everyone in Fedders goes to sleep. It's late. <laughs> Including the guy watching the dials on the electricity. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, my God. The that's power drain. Use the less, that's when you use the least amount of power at night, so you don't notice it going missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get to hear some aha uh, while they're riding the escalator here, which I couldn't tell. Was that supposed to be diegetic? Was that supposed to be in the Dude, scene or just part of the soundtrack? Honestly, I thought they missed another opportunity to have um, her wire Ellie's thing into the mall sound system. Like, right. That She's already at the just, power uh, junction yeah, there. Why not like, just like, have her? Maybe she did, but they don't take the Walkman with them if they do, right? They just no, kind of well, walk they do. off. The so Walkman they shows later. up later in the episode, too. So, like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I think it's really, you know. Here but, it is. But, I, I figured it out. So she does plug it in here. They walk away from from the Walkman. But when Ellie mm. leaves, Riley runs up to the power station, grabs the Walkman, and then goes to the Halloween store. Yeah. Sprints. She, Usain, Usain bolts her way <laughs> to the thing, grabs it, comes back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It feels like they were going very much the rule of cool. Like they even pointed, f- yeah. made fun of the fact that they have uh, um, Depeche Mode. Or was it Depeche Mode or... What is the one that the carousel is uh, playing? Uh, the cure. No, it's the cure. The cure. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like heaven. Uh, they even point. It's like you know what? What? What fucking <laughs> carousel has ever played this kind of like calliope version? This this yeah. circus circus music version of this? And they're like, ah, it's just it's it uh, sounded good. I liked it. I've I've had this track for years, and I finally found a use for it. So fair mm-hmm. enough. Uh, and you get a lot of just kind of background stuff here. The the Dawn of the Wolf Part Two coming soon. Uh, I thought that was an interesting poster. The the sign on what might be the movie theater. I can't can't be sure. It says back in five minutes, and it's been there for twenty plus years, right? Yeah, I thought that was funny. <laughs> I love that. Oh, video game Easter eggs. Uh, I called some of these out on the instant take, but there's a scene of like. Uh, Ellie jiggling the flashlight to get the mm-hmm. to get the batteries to kind of connect. There was a mechanic in the old, I think this is even back in the PlayStation Three version mm-hmm. where they had the six axis controllers, and your every once in a while your flashlight would gutter out, and you'd have to take the controller and like bang it against your thigh or jiggle it to get the batteries to go again. Uh, so that was kind of cute, and then also Ellie getting her eyes blasted with the light and like squinting. I think that's. Oh. This show has a lot of balls, let me tell you. With last episode, <laughs> where it's going from pure black to driven white snow. <laughs> yeah, you got a lot of balls talking about light in your eyes, show. See, that was just another Easter egg. That was like how, so you could be inside <laughs> Ellie's eyes when they get blasted with the flashlight. But that's, yeah, in, the, in most most video games, characters are not reactive that way to light or really anything. Mm-hmm. And The Last of Us on characters, like they are. Like I, I think they react if you shoot close to them or... If you certainly if you shine lights in their eyes, they kind of like shield their eyes and squint. And I thought that was those are some cute Easter Easter eggs for the video game players. Mm -hmm. All right. They continue through the mall. They stop uh, to wonder why anyone would want lingerie or sneakers. Eventually, they reach the real first wonder, which is a fully working carousel. And they ride it for a bit before it stops working. Then Ellie floats the idea of Riley coming back to school so they can one day run Fedra and change things for the better. But that's not really possible for Riley because she already knows what Fedra thinks of her. They literally think she's shit. You know, I got to say, I thought sewer detail would involve actually handling sewage, but it 
like yeah. Fedra's sewer detail is just guarding the people who are handling sewage. So it wasn't as bad as I thought yeah. when I heard, but like, yeah, that's literally a shit job, you know, when Captain Quan was talking about mm-hmm. eating shit food and sleeping in a shit bunk and having a shit job, literally a shit job. Would you rather have the shit detail or the corpse detail? Honestly, the corpse detail. I, I, I would much rather handle dead bodies than bodies. shit. Uh, bacon. I, I've actually heard that human beings smell bacon? very much like, yeah. Uh, it's sign like, me up. It's like we're very close to the pork uh-huh. in our musculature and fat. Yeah, that, that's true. I've heard <laughs> that certain, certain cannibal societies have referred to humans as long pork. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Ugh. Um, Neither of those jobs seems great. I'd rather have Captain Kwong's job. But I know what shit smells like, and if I if I'm right about corpses, it kind of smells delicious. So I'll go with oh. that. Watch out! Watch out! I, I don't like the way you're talking, Aaron. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't agree with um, Craig Mason's take on Ellie's reaction to the Victoria's Secrets mall um, mirror either. Like he oh, was, was saying it? that she was um, her reflection was literally in front of one of the angel posters and she was seeing her inadequacies compared to that. I hmm. and then, you know, he might be right. I don't fucking I did. That was my initial idea, too. I didn't understand 14 year old girls when I was in high school, <laughs> you know, at the time, let alone now. But I did. I thought that it was more of like when. Um when Riley put it into her head, like imagine you wearing something like that, that like slight sexualization suddenly made her self-conscious about, you know, smoothing her appearance. Cause she was getting, she's, she's trying to like, uh, get up the courage to, to make that first step to kiss her. Uh, so, you know, that's what you do. You oh, like, yeah. check your breath. <sighs> you, you make, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you look, you, you, I, I, I think you lick your thumbs, you put them on your eyebrows, you check your hair, you know, <laughs> Just make okay. sure you're you're nice and yeah. you know whatever you got, it's presented the way you want it. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, right? Like she does all that. She's like trying to spiff herself up, and she kind of sees you know this poster of this supermodel uh, in lingerie, and goes, "Ah, shit, I'm not that." But I don't know that that's what Riley is looking for. You yeah, know, neither of them like- see the point of any of this so i don't know that like what you would deal with a beauty standard like that if you've grown because that's that's where like i felt like craig was taken in like oh i am a 21st century person who's washed into sex of sales culture bella's a person that's you know grown up with people wearing goodwill clothes and Mm -hmm. and malnourished and not in good like they're like these exact i i wonder if you even you would even register that as beautiful like, I mean, yeah, of course you would. But kind of like when you see like a, a Renaissance painting of what's supposedly a beautiful woman and you're like, sure, oh, that's, that's not is. that's that's yeah, your hair and your your makeup girl. What's what's going on here? <laughs> you know, I, I wonder uh-huh. if you would like go in, you'd see an angel a, a Victoria's Secret angel. You would if, if you're a 14 year old girl, you'd be like, oh, God, I'm supposed to look like that. Or you'd be like, that's fucking wild. So I don't know. I could I could be wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's an impossible standard today. In the apocalypse? Sure. Good right. fucking luck, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh so yeah, I, I I don't know. It's it's almost sad in a way that she like sees this and is somehow thinking she has to measure up to it. Um mm-hmm. But none of that's gonna matter. I think, you know, by the end of this episode, it's clear how they feel about each other. 
Um, and and we get we find out that like not only did Kwong, not only a shit detail a thing, but that's why Riley ran away. At least that's that's the initial reason she ran away is because she got uh, a glimpse into her future life. That was what she was going to be doing, and she didn't like it. Also, I wondered on, I think my third watch, I was like, why isn't Riley considered for leadership? If like she maybe she's got a bad attitude towards authority. It seems like Ella has that in or Ellie has that in spades. Um, Mm -hmm. It seems like she's intelligent and resourceful. Uh, Yeah. What about her? Gotta be. There's there's I mean, like you got to have residual racism, right? Like is 20 years in the apocalypse enough to weld us together into one human species? Probably not. Or is Captain Kwong? Uh, Captain Kwong got got a little, you know, just doesn't see, just doesn't see Riley as management material. Right. Uh, maybe, maybe. I would say shame on you, dude. Uh, <laughs> it's it's not like you haven't experienced yeah. some racism in your time. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know if that's the reason, but you're right. There doesn't seem to be a big difference between. Let's say the intelligence, um, the resourcefulness, the it, it will be. of any of these yeah. these kids. So, if you want to say the uh, the Boston Quarantine Zone is living in a post racial society, then it could be that Kwong gave this speech to Riley two years ago, and Riley is like double middle finger, fuck you. I'm going to continue getting thrown in a hole, and you know, uh, whereas Kwong's trying to like you know maybe offer like what I'm saying is maybe offer to both and like. Uh, because it does seem all other things be yeah. equal that Riley is a lot more anti-Fedra than she is. And, and she's is. the fighter, right? I get the impression that she has not been in Although one fight. Although that's crazy to be like, oh, yeah, right, between Ellen and Riley, Riley's the fighter. Right, right, right. Is, is she the fighter because bigger. she's just bigger and, and uh-huh. stronger? Because she's, you know, she's two, at least almost two and a half years older than Ellie. Uh-huh. So... I don't know. uh, It seems like Ellie's pretty fierce. When she needs to be, but she didn't really need to be before this, right? Showed that stuck-up Bethany bitch a thing or two in the infirmary, didn't she? Mm Mm-hmm. Fuck Carol and fuck Bethany. Both of them. Damn straight. All right, let's get to the second wonder, or third, depending on how you're counting them. Uh, Riley and Ellie strike poses with each other in a photo booth. Riley gives Ellie the photos, and then they move on. Riley really leaning into Ellie on that scary pose. This is where mm-hmm. I started to say, like, okay, maybe there's something to this from both sides. Because mm-hmm. before this, I wasn't getting much from Riley. Uh, mm. But this is the scene that was like, I All mean, right, she's into her. The fact that she's. The fact that she's doing Even all here. this. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean. I would probably do something like this for you if you were going away for a long time. I'd probably put some thought into like your, but like at 16, no fucking way, dude. <laughs> yeah. <Be> like, <laughs> if I was doing this so you, for going away, it. I'd be trying to fuck you for 100%. Uh huh. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, I better not go away then. Sorry, not interested. Yeah, don't, uh, don't want to, don't, we do not want to tempt this sexual inferno that we've been fighting for 12 years. We don't want to put ourselves into a compromise position. Where passions will take 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 their their course. Do photo booths still exist? 
Yes. Yeah, they, they do. I just did one this summer at, uh, I think, Cedar Point. They It's always stuff like that. They've got them at like, um, mm-hmm. you know, Chuck E. Cheese's still the, the malls. You can usually find them. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a perfect place. Amusement parks, things like that. Yeah. I imagine they're probably more popular now than they were maybe 15 years ago, right? Y- yes, because but, it's seen as a retro uh-huh. cool thing. Mm-hmm. And you can take all the selfies you want with your camera, but there's something cool about having the actual film developed right there in front of you. Having your bestie and in the photo strip on the dream board or you can hang well, on yeah, your wall. That's, yeah, that's a statement. 100%. Have we seen Ellie with these photos? I could have sworn we saw these photos once before. You might be, wrong. be right. You might be right. But I don't I, I couldn't swear to that. Yeah, same here. Because, again, I, I didn't play. I went and re I didn't have time to because I wanted to rewatch a playthrough, but they're all like four or five hours long. Mm-hmm. Um, I instead read the Wikipedia to refresh my memory, because, again, I hadn't played this since it first came out over 10 years ago. So I yeah. that's just going to be the broad um, strokes, though, the, the actual plot, not details. Although like- I, it was enough for me because I thought that they left a lot out. The other thing is the Wikipedia blended the comic book information pretty freely. It was like set off by like, you know, headers and whatnot but like i couldn't quite tell where the comics be ended and the the dlc began but um gotcha there's a little bit more uh, yeah i was kind of yeah you know i'm gonna stop and i'm gonna stop right there in case in case they bring some of that material in because it wouldn't surprise me if some of that material makes it into the final episode or two yeah it'll be interesting to see if we ever revisit this because like i said in the instant take one of the things that i felt uh, negatively about this episode is it stopped before it got to some of the stuff that I'm really curious about. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think it stopped appropriately for the emotional beats of this relationship that was developing and for the Ellie Joel stuff. But man, if I could just see how Ellie handled Riley turning, how she met up with Marlene and got captured effectively by the fireflies I, I'm so curious about that stuff, but yeah, maybe they'll come back to it. I, I seriously doubt it, though, given what I know about the pace of the next two episodes. All right. We'll see. Um, interesting. So we go to the fourth wonder. It's Raja's Arcade, which is straight out of the game. They bust into a change machine, play a few rounds of Mortal Kombat 2. Somewhere else in the mall, we see the first hints of danger. An infected person stirs. Uh, they have a ton of fun. Ellie almost kisses Riley, but chickens out and then claims she has to go home. Uh, but Riley convinces her to stay by saying she got her a gift. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. It's an arcade. It's very nostalgic. Um, I'm again, I'm old enough to remember when arcades were dingy basement affairs full of smoke in the late seventies and early eighties. Uh, this is kind of like the prototypical mid nineties arcade, you know, very yeah. neon and brightly colored. And so this is more my uh, arcade for sure. Yeah. 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 And, uh, now they're like Dave and Buster's kind of like, that's mm-hmm. the, the last refuge of this stadium sized arcade. Um, but it's a, yeah, it's like such yeah. a cool thing. Like when you were a kid and you're like with your mom, you're doing back to school shopping or they're, 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 they're doing whatever stupid adult shit and you're stuck and like, Oh, and you're too old for the playscape anymore, but you turn the corner and one of these things shows up and you're like, oh, my God, can I have five bucks or can I have a dollar? Can I have whatever? And you know that for the next 30 minutes, you you don't have to do stupid shit like it's it's a nice feeling like the sound. Like, I love that. 
that like she's like Shh, listen listen and you can hear the arcade mm-hmm. like a casino pit you know dinging and danging and absolutely it's, it's, it's cool. a casino for kids for sure uh you just can't win any money it's all take no, no you give. can win fucking tickets and exchange it for good so it's really just so, casinos with extra steps if we're being honest that's the thing like so so that used to be relegated to like a showbiz pizza a chuck e cheese those Not kind of anymore, places with the ticket redemption Arcades took a very interesting evolution, evolutionary path where they went from like a place you go to play games for no no return, but fun. And then the ticket game started coming in. And now you've got like, I mean, you go to an arcade now, it's a lot of uh, digital stuff where you've got like just screens on tables. um, Yeah. Phone games. Giant tablet games. Flappy Bird on a Uh giant machine or that, that kind of thing. And a lot of like coin gambling type stuff where you like drop the coin in and try and push a bunch of other coins off the edges. Right. My favorite to collect those. I, that, that fucking I love bit too, me hard this last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love them and I hate them. You know, I spent $140 getting all 10 cards of the, uh, mm-hmm. Willy Wonka set, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is worth 10,000 tickets. So I think technically I'm money ahead. All right. But, but did you I actually want those Willy Wonka cards or was it just kinda, something Well, here's get. the thing is like that when I got them, when I got them, I was going to like I, my plan was to give them to like my nieces and nephews and like have them go crazy. What I what but I had so many like secondary cards that are worth like a thousand tickets a piece that I just was able to get, you know, have my nieces and nephews just 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 shrieking in delight uh at this bounty and i still had my original set and i'm like you know what i think i'm gonna like d- get a sh- i think i want to like start collecting these every year king's nice. island will start to win the new set i'm gonna have like a i don't know do something stupid with them like frame them so yeah definitely yeah. not money ahead but it's i don't Probably know it's something you. super addictive about you yes, ever been into yeah. the one arm jack but like man see the big old pile of coins mm-hmm. push off and get you to car it's oof dopamine <laughs> hits baby i'm with you uh but yeah, this is very much my my experience where it's like a mix of I, I will say they had a lot of older arcade games in this arcade. This is not a typical 2003 arcade. Uh, it, Robotron was a very old game. Yeah, at this time. they like would Quantums have a Mortal Kombat and, three at least. They would have something besides yeah. Daytona probably. I mean, this looks like a shitty mall that shut down in like 1998. Mm-hmm. And had just been sitting there for six, five, six years doing nothing. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know. It's it's close enough for me. It's, and it's, it's funny that the, the game did not have the Mortal Kombat license. So they did a game that's clearly Mortal Kombat, but it's called Slicers or some shit like that. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, but here they got Mortal Kombat 2. Uh, they, they, they're, they're actually playing it. Um, Craig brought up something interesting in the main cast. That, like in this mid-90s situation... There wasn't internet, so like mm-hmm. the only way to discover that this game actually it wasn't like there was something on the art that said, "Hey, you can kill people after you beat them in this game. You can no. rip their heads off and do all this other crazy shit." You had to discover that on your own and pass through word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Like there had to be some smelly kid at the arcade hanging out telling you, "Like, oh, you got to do forward, forward, back, back, light jab, punch," and then or turn more into likely, a dragon and, you get your ass kicked enough by that guy and, right, and right. then he finishes you 94 times in a row <laughs> right takes all your lunch money and then you're like man how did you do that and he finally takes pity on you and tells you shows yeah. you one of the moves 
But it was like, yeah, you could, you could, if your home, small hometown didn't have cool enough kids, you would never discover the mm-hmm. secrets of Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Uh, I also have to think that none of these machines would work. Arcade machines are so finicky. Pinball machines are so finicky. 20 years sitting a in a dingy. Of showing that uh-huh. about a third of the cabinets were not working. Like That's there was definitely right. ones and a lot of them were like the screens had lost vertical hold. And, uh-huh. Uh-huh. But like, yeah, like, you know, Mortal Kombat, maybe it survives. They only played two games, right? She sat in the Daytona mm-hmm. and they played the Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this explains, you know, why Riley or why Ellie would know all about like Melina and what moves she has yeah. uh, when her and Joel come up on that arcade machine later. Her cartoon bone vomit move. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you? How long do you think the dormant what runner was lying there? Uh, I assume weeks, but just weeks? I don't really know. Okay, I wondered that myself because he's not. Um, again, I, I that's uh, I I I feel like I saw some feedback flood. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I thought that if a uh is if if a if an infected was kind of like shroomed up into a wall that mm. they were dried out and desiccated they're not um they're now not, part not of the active. network but not yeah not mobile yeah and it's like the way and i've always maintained that like if a runner dies like they have to still be breathing their heart has to be i might be able to slow down but like the way they had this uh person portray being infected and like it just gasped to life it felt like that thing was dead and it was reactivated by the mushrooms is do you, is that how you read it too or do you think he was maybe in very slow like one heartbeat per minute yeah yeah one respiration per five minutes and uh-huh i don't think dead dead uh infected can come back to life so it must have been like a semi-hibernation kind of thing Hmm. here's the missed opportunity for me is we've seen what the network of of you know mycelium or whatever coming out can actually do when you step on a piece of it over here it can activate stuff over there Mm -hmm. have them step on something because this is a flashback this is before they knew all that right like that would be super interesting that ellie not only should have known but actually triggered it one time and didn't realize it yeah as 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 much as i i patted him on the back for coming up with the network idea the tendril idea i don't think they've used it very well because i think that they the way they conceive it is it'll bring every infect within a x amount of square radius on top of you and the way mm-hmm. this show is doing a little bit more grounded and realistic they're not going to throw like 50 infected at two teenage girls and expect oh, them to God, fight no. and win like there's i just yeah. you know another small spoiler for the video game there's a hell of a lot more infected that these girls have to deal with in the video game than there is sure, it's not like sure. one runner is a boss fight for them right uh-huh. um but uh yeah i, I, I thought, thought it was a missed opportunity with the the network <laughs> yeah well i but i think they kind of painted themselves in the corner because when you step in a tendril you expect like the fucking world to the collapse on them because they're in the you know the boston quarantine zone um Mm-hmm. But yeah, they could have gotten away. And I thought it, I thought it would be really cool because uh, they kept on making it a point that um, Riley had been waiting to do this with uh, Ellie. And it had been cool, like if there was a vine that had kind of grown into the carousel and they'd like have a close up of when it starts to spin that vine snap like mm-hmm. that would have been. And then you like and because like I also 
Yeah, I also thought they did a good job of like they showed the thing wake up because my thing is like, why is that on their ass? But then they completely moved to a different part of the mall. Mm-hmm. So it probably went to the arcade to figure out what the fuck was going on there. Didn't see them and then kind of just went into general hunt mode and it took him the rest of the episode until it finally tracked him back down. Um, but yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought that would have been sweet, sweet too if they if they'd integrated the tendrils because honestly, I'd almost forgotten about it. Uh huh. Until I started thinking in the second watch, like, yeah, where the fuck are th- uh, he's surrounded by tendrils? Where are these in the mall? But yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe he's literally the only one in there. That's what I'm and thinking. They did yeah. such a good job sealing it off that like that is the tendril network. It's just not uh-huh. big enough. Yeah, probably so. Watch out for that fungus. Be right back with more Savage Starlight. We found something to fight for. This podcast. Welcome back to Savage Starlight. Anyway, they um, go over to Macho Nacho, where Riley gives Ellie volume two of No Pun Intended. We saw volume one earlier on her nightstand in the Fedra school. Uh, and I think volume two is what she whips out with uh, Joel later. Mm-hmm. They try a few puns out before Ellie spots a bunch of bombs that Riley's been guarding. Ellie gets pissed and leaves. Riley runs after her and says this is her last night in Boston. Ellie attempts to subtly find that if there's anything between them and then storms off when Riley refuses to acknowledge it. She it's very subtle, though. It's not like she says, hey, uh, you know, what do you think of me? <laughs> it's, it's more like she's feeling around the edges and, and they're mm. doing this most of the episode. And I really like how they're doing it. It feels yeah. very kid like. Yeah, it feels very. I'm I really want to know, but I'm also very scared to find the answer. Sure. Out. Yeah, because we're very two very tough girls. And what does it mean if we actually secretly love each other? And we're or very worse. Tough, what if so you don't if you only know? one of us loves and the other? It's like they're, they're a uh-huh. tough person. What are they going to do? You know, like now I'm not saying that they're going to beat. I'm saying that like, you know, oh, you're, no. you're, they're going to make it feel real bad and make it feel like a fucking idiot. And, um, and it could, you know, in the relationship. Uh, yeah, because because that changes it fundamentally. And if the other person is not on board with sure. that change, sure, can go south real fast. But this is like Ellie clearly sees that like you are building pipe bombs. We've seen what pipe bombs do into the QZ in the first two episodes. Uh, I am going to be a Fedra employee, if not an officer, and these bombs are going to go be aimed towards me are mm-hmm. uh, the people I care about, and that's a huge fucking problem. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah especially when she's just kind of acknowledged yeah i want a future in this right um she right chose that second path with kwong so riley's going to atlanta so there's another qz in atlanta i get the feeling that there's maybe a qz in most major cities at this point i would think so yeah um and the fireflies have a network down in the south not just you know across the the northern part of the country it was it was interesting because I don't think in Kansas City we saw any firefly activity whatsoever. And I don't know why. You think yeah, there were three fireflies factions are fighting it out there? Way out west. Um mm-hmm. or maybe the like before the fireflies took hold, the we the people uh Possibly. movement had already been and like there's only room for one, you know, kind of revolutionary movement. Yeah, yeah. I mean maybe they were fireflies and everything but name. <laughs> I don't Could know. Be. What if it's a Cold uh, War situation where, like, if Fireflies know that there's already a resistance band inside a city, they just kind of, like, network and equip them, but they don't. Sure. Like, why would they go in and move their own soldiers, get caught in a crossfire when there's already someone fucking with Fedra? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, let's move on to Ellie getting halfway out of the mall before changing her mind and going back. Uh, she hears a bunch of screaming and runs toward it only to find out that Riley is pouting in a Halloween store and the screaming was a, a decoration. They talked about why Riley's leaving uh, because she's searching essentially for a family she lost when her parents died and Ellie tells Riley that she'll miss her and then they throw on Halloween masks and have a dance party and Ellie asks Riley once again not to go and she agrees this time which it's kind of surprising to me, um, which is when Ellie finally gets up the courage to kiss her, and it seems to go over pretty well. Unfortunately, that infected from earlier finds and attacks them. Ellie manages to kill it, but not before they're both bit, and they decide to be all poetic and shit and lose their minds together. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that they made Ellie decide to go back before they're screaming, because I thought that would have felt manipulative and cheap. Um Yeah. Yeah, it tells and, you that the way they are leaving each other didn't sit right with her. Yeah, yeah, and she's going back there. Um, I did like the jump scare because there's a couple good ones. Like I said, when the corpse guy, the the whiskey donator, <laughs> fell through the floor, I thought that was a pretty good jump scare because I was expecting him to get up. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime I see like honestly, uh, Laura Croft and Nathan Drake have ruined that for me. Like anytime I see a corpse in an adventure video game, I just like, God damn, it's going to be a zombie. It's going to get up and attack me. It's going to be a mummy. It's going to be some kind of weird Nazi submarine zombie. Something. <laughs> uh, so like I was yeah. just waiting for this guy to get up and, and try something. He didn't. Uh, ever ever since was the original Resident Evil, that's that's what did it for me. It was like, oh, right. Yeah. Every time you in step video, over one yeah. of those fucking corpses, it's going to grab your it's ankles or bite something. your ankle yeah. for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that was a pretty effective jump scare. Kind of uh, I, you know, I, I like the whole family thing because, you know, that's the story of this is that Ellie has against all odds in the last three to four months discovered another family. Yeah, this um, is or, probably the best part of the episode. A teeny tiny family, but one that it it fits her nevertheless. Um, mm-hmm. And Edit James she version never of had I got before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas this is something that Riley always acutely missed because you know she she lost it in an age old enough to remember. That doesn't apply to Ellie, but I, I liked him dancing to the Edit James version. I got you, babe. I thought that was such uh, a great way to tell. There's like a storytelling in this dance scene where at first it's just kind of like the novelty. There's almost like a Saturday Night Fever quality to them being up on the display cases that are lit from below. So it's like mm-hmm. this dance way and they're just kind of like just rocking it out. And then they got the masks on. So that's ridiculous. And they're giggling. And mm-hmm. then you can tell even before Ellie pulls off the mask that it's starting. She's starting to feel the feelings. Oh, and yeah. uh yeah, it's like a little a little three act play, just them dancing. I thought that was really good. Yeah, this is this is the moment where Ellie finds that thing, and I think Riley finds that thing that she's been looking for, right? And it's why in this scene she agrees not to go with the fireflies because she's found what she thought the fireflies were going to give her in Ellie. And this is why it's so sad, and this is why I want to see the aftermath of this event here where they are, you know, sitting and losing their minds together. I want to see how Ellie reacts to this because this is the first time Ellie's ever had anything to lose and is losing it actively. And and there's this moment that's got to switch on in her mind where 
it, she she's processing at the end of this episode like i'm losing the thing that i just gained that means so much to me and i want to see the moment where she realizes that not only uh is she going to die having lost this thing but she's going to live mm. that's that's the more crushing part of this right is that like mm-hmm. she found it they were going to die together in this poetic beautiful way but she survived it somehow miraculously and it's so it should be such a moment of joy but it would be such a moment of pain for her yeah. um and and that all ties back into Joel, right? Like that would make it even more powerful. And I just don't know why they didn't go there with this. Give us an extra two minutes of just watching them turn, watching, watching the the beauty of it turn on Ellie, and then we would really understand what Joel means to her. And just to be clear, you're not talking about wanting to see something you've already seen. You're because I just want people to like freak out that you're giving spoilers. You've you don't you you this is no I I don't know yeah. that I've ever played this DLC actually. Um, okay, I, I'm inferring all of this. Like, gotcha. I just want to make sure because like I have and I just update and I yeah I I just um I just want to make gotcha. sure. People yeah, this know, is me yeah. speculating on like exactly. what it must be like, right, for her to to find this thing, to know that she survives this event. Like she's bit in the same place yeah, that we see her inferring. bit. She survives and it. You obviously, want to see, you want to see it in black and white, like what it, or I guess color. And if Riley were immune, Riley would be around in episode one, right? Yeah, but she's yeah. not. And we hear uh, Marlene saying stuff about like, yeah, uh, Riley and how she died and all that. So. We've talked I wanted a lot to see about, it. I think it would have made it more powerful. We've talked a lot about Bella Ramsey and how good she is. Uh, I thought Storm Reed was a really good foil or I guess uh scene partner for her. And I know she's done. I haven't seen her in anything like I know she's done. I've heard she's done really good work in Euphoria and she was in uh, A Wrinkle Before Time, which I did also did not see. But uh, I thought she she did real good here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, seeing this like all these new young stars we're seeing in hot, hot D and the last of us and knowing that like, we're probably going to see them develop as performers over the next 10, 15, 20 years. Pretty exciting. Oh man. Yeah. I'm looking forward to like, anything. A, that a new Hollywood generation is, is emerging. Um, uh-huh. It's kind of, kind of fun to watch. Absolutely. Um, you, you mentioned, so, so way back in uh, episode three, we were talking about the the music, right? Um, with the the beautiful song, which I can't remember the name of it that they sing now. Long, long, long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I was talking about like Linda Ronstadt. Ronstadt. Jesus, I better say that right. <laughs> Linda, I've learned my lesson, people. Uh, Linda Ronstadt. <laughs> uh, be, being kind of a cultural gay icon, right? Uh, for her, all the activism she did around that. And I feel like Cher is right there, too. Um, so to play I Got You, Babe, in this moment where they are connecting and you're going to have the kiss between mm. the two women here. But uh, they didn't go with the Cher version. They did not. You're right. But it is originally a Sonny and Cher song. So Yeah, it's a more funky, funky version. I don't know if it's yeah. the original or if uh, Sonny and Cher were the original. I've Sonny and Cher Sonny are and Cher. the original. Were they? Okay. They actually yeah. wrote it. Got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought it was nice to have you know, one more connection to the gay culture there with them in this scene. Uh, and then, yeah, we, we see Ellie, you know, pleading with Riley not to go. It's, it's really sad. She's, she's doing it in both timelines. She's doing it with Joel last episode. Um, and she's doing it here. 
and they did a really good job of connecting those. Uh, and then it makes it more sad that Riley agrees not to go, right? Because like, right, they were about to have like they the, had it, they some had version it. of post-apocalyptic happiness mm-hmm. for the next couple of years at least. And she w- she was gonna literally spend her life shoveling shit so she could to be, be next with Ellie. Ellie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn, that's sad. Of course, knowing uh, teenagers, the she'd be two weeks on shit detail, moved out from the dorm room. Ellie gets a new uh, roommate, <laughs> falls sure. in love with somebody else, and then oh god, I took the shit detail and said no to the fireflies. And, ah, yeah, but uh-huh. you know, <laughs> yeah, that's what we the, won't think about that. That's what your teenage years are for, you know. Uh huh. Getting your heart bra- broken, breaking hearts, figuring all that shit out. Totally. All right, let's go back uh, I, to the but present. I did, but this oh, ties okay. directly. This ties directly to this is the thesis statement, right? Mm-hmm. That there's two options: we give up and do the expedient thing, or yes. we take every last bit of hope and chance and the seconds, minutes, hours we have alive, and we don't quit. And they hold hands and they don't give up. And mm-hmm. we come back with Joel and, you know, that scene of her holding his hand before, like they're communicating that, that like, yes, you told me to run. But like, as long as you're breathing and your heart's beating, I cannot, I don't know if I can do this, but as long as you're still alive and there's a chance, I can't, I can't doom you. Cause if I walk out this door, I know you're dead. Yeah. It's uh, like I said, I, I, I don't think we needed it after last episode. Um, but that's uh Yeah. They spent 40, 57 minutes really underlining that point. Totally. Yeah, we're, like you said, we're back in the present. Ellie's frantically searching the house for something to help Joel with. She finds a needle and thread and sews him up. Um, and the other thing I like about this is that Ellie is alive here because Riley didn't let her kill herself. Um, the option one was not on the table. Right. And Ellie is kind of passing that on now. You know, miracles seem to happen. It's like, it seems hopeless with Joel because they're in the middle of nowhere. He's bleeding profusely. She has no supplies or skills maybe even to help him. But look at her. She's a miracle. If, if you know, she had just given up and shot herself, then we wouldn't be potentially having a hope for, for mankind here. So like... I think it's it's her kind of clinging also to this idea of miracles can happen. If you believe, as they mm-hmm. say in the, the Prince of Egypt. Uh, <laughs> and that's it, man. That's it. That's it. This is the call. I mean, you know, if to the extent that this was uh, and I don't I don't know if it was. Um, it seems like a lot of people said this was a toe tapper in like kind of like impatience. But. Uh, to the extent that it is, it is the calm before the storm. This was the loud, clanky ride up the roller coaster hill until you the, the floor drops out. Because I don't think people oh, yeah. are going to have the complaints about the next two weeks. I no. think we're going to finish the season strong and people are going to be waiting with bated breath uh, for, a, for, for volume two. Mm-hmm. You can wait for bated breath for feedback volume later this week. It's just two weeks. It's not a long time to have bated breath. So that's good. Uh, Tlu at baldmove.com. If you want to send in feedback, uh, we will consider everything we have time for. Uh, we also will have probably spore lore and super spore lore editions. Uh, so like if you want to stay 
at the end of that and uh, check out some some video game spoilers or speculation. You're welcome to. And then, of course, this weekend, we do it all over again with the live instant take and instant talk for the penultimate episode of The Last of Us. Uh, you got to be a club member if you want to watch us record that live and more importantly, joining on the instant talk where you can use the chat interface to make uh, comments and uh, talk about your theories and uh, all that kind of stuff. Check that out, support.baldmove.com if you want ad-free feeds as well as access to both halves of the Instant Take and Instant Talk and watch us record it live. Finally, uh, you can find us on twitter.com slash baldmove if you want to keep up with all the great movie and TV and occasional video game content that we come out with. Because, man, there's just a ton of stuff where Mando starts up uh, next week, right? This this week. It's this week. Shit, it's this week. I think so. It's tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Tonight, maybe. Uh... There's uh, if you depending on how late you stay up, uh, we've got the Yellow Jackets coming back. If you like uh, prestige type horror things in the vein of The Last of Us, there's uh, mm -hmm. that um, Severance is coming back real soon, which was one of the TV shows we're most excited about. Uh, so as The Last of Us is winding down, lots of bald move things winding up. Uh, check it out at Twitch or I'm sorry, Twitter.com slash bald move. Anyway, that'll do it for this week's main episode. We'll see you next or see you this Thursday for the feedback episode. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. <laughs>